Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Well, we'll try that again. I know you're in church tonight, but you're allowed to uh, you know, make some noise. How are you doing? You okay? Yeah. Good. It's, uh, it's good to see you if you're here for your first time. I want to give you a warm welcome. I'm just going to speak from the Bible for a few minutes. My name's Josh and I'm the campus pastor here at Arena Church. Now, um, is there anybody, I, I did hear about one of our team actually, Jared's going out to do some shopping tomorrow. Who's got shopping to do over the next couple of days? A few people, okay. I, um, I'm actually quite an amazing man. I've, uh, all my shopping was complete like two weeks ago. Um, it was my wife, but... Um, uh, uh, Santa Claus is amazing in my house because the presents just turn up. It's, uh, it's pretty, pretty cool. But um, I just thank you for joining us tonight. We're going to have lots of fun and really things are just getting started because we've got loads of things happening outside at the back afterwards. But I'd love to open the Bible because as Paul already said, I know it may seem a little bit cringy, but Jesus is the reason for the season. That's what we believe here at Arena Church. So we're going to go to Romans 5, verse 6 to 8, and it'll be on the screen so you can see it. And it says this, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, we're going to come back to that in just a second, but I just love this time of year. I mean, I'm what you could call a Christmas guy. Like, I I truly believe those words that Andy Williams sung, that it is the most wonderful time of the year. I I love Christmas parties. I I love eating so much that you have to loosen off your belt. I I love the the guilt-free time spent doing whatever. I'm even that guy who's happy with the the coldness and the, uh, the dark mornings and the dark nights. Like, that's just me. I love it. Wrapping up warm. I'm crazy about it. Now, one of the things that my family do to get ready for Christmas is to watch Christmas films. Now, some would say we start way too early. Like this year, we, we started, we were pretty conservative actually. We, we started in the middle of November. Now, go back a few years, we literally started Christmas films the first Sunday in October. Uh, can anyone beat that? I bet I'm I'm surprised we are the earliest. But what you realise when you start Christmas films at the beginning of October is this, that you have to space out the good Christmas films because there's just about enough good Christmas films for December. You know, we we know some of the, the good ones, Elf and Home Alone and Die Hard is a Christmas film, if you were wondering. But when you start scrape, like when you get, you know, go out to sort of November and then October, you, you start scraping the barrel. So this year, when we started in October, we watched everything. Like we completed Netflix, Amazon Prime and Christmas 24. Who knows about Christmas 24 here? Yeah, a few people, a few of the Christmas lovers. And I, I mean, just by, again, show of hands, who here has watched A Christmas Prince on Netflix? My hand is up. Oh gosh, it's only me and my wife. (laughs) That's embarrassing. (laughs) A Christmas Prince on Netflix. They've actually come out with another one called A Christmas Prince and the Baby as well. But what tends to happen in these low-budget Christmas films 
is that they start off with a, a man or a woman who is struggling their life. They, they meet someone who they hate and then through complete coincidence and against all odds, they fall in love. But I'm sorry to say it isn't plain sailing. They have a bit of a fallout. And then just the most beautiful, compelling story ever. Can you believe it? They get back together by the end of the film. Now, one of my wife and I, as our favourite film is Love Actually. Who likes Love Actually? Great Christmas film where the idea of Love Actually is the idea that we're actually looking at real love, the pain of it, the tribulation that comes with it, young love, new love, mature love. Now, it's obviously far-fetched, but I think the premise is interesting because we all know here today that real love often doesn't look like what we see on our screens. Those of us who are married in here today realise that you know, being married isn't about this amazing experience every single day. You go through the reality of life. Now, love actually is filled with some fairly great demonstrations of love, like people running through airports and a prime minister randomly knocking on doors to try and find his love. <laughs> but here's the thing I think this film gets right. That real love requires action. Real love requires a demonstration. See, real love is more than just words. I could tell my wife every single minute of every single day that I loved her, but if my action didn't line up with my words, then it would mean nothing. And this is what I love about this Bible verse we see here in Romans 5. Because real love requires a demonstration. Let's look here again. It says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, Jesus wasn't just content to sit in heaven and let us crack on. He wasn't content to sit on the sidelines and, and let you and me get on with it. He wasn't okay with letting us deal with the hurt, the struggle, the anxiety and pain that come with this life. He didn't just confess his love for us. He demonstrated it. This is love, actually. The perfect God would come to this earth and lay his life down for you and me to help us, to heal us, to give us a new start. And who better than God to demonstrate what love is, to show us what love means, what real love means. In 1 John 4 verse 8, it says this, it says, God is love. So if God's love, he is the best person to demonstrate and show us what love is. I hope tonight that you understand and grasp that because I'm sure that you've heard a lot about God throughout your life, that he's mad at you, that he disapproves of you, that he doesn't care for you, that he only loves people inside of the church and doesn't like those outside of it. See, I think a lot of people picture God like the disapproving headmaster wagging his finger with his skull on his face. But I want to tell you today, this is not the truth. If there's one thing I want you to take away tonight, it's this, that there is nothing you can do to make God love you more than he does now. Yeah. You might, the question for you, from you tonight might be, Josh, but how do you know this? Well, again, let's look at Romans 5. It says this, you see, 
At just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, God demonstrated his love for us, not by dying for us at our best, but by dying for us at our worst. See, he died and rose for a world that might never follow him, that might never accept his love, that might never want to walk in relationship with him. He died just to give us a chance to get to know him. See, this verse, it says that someone might die for a good person or for a moral person or someone they're close to, but God's love is demonstrated by him dying for those people who hate him. For the worst person you can think of, He died for everybody. No one does that. I mean, I'd take a bullet for my kids or for my wife completely. Of course I would. But a random person? Or to go even further than that, someone who's opposed me or been mean to me? I don't think so. Uh, Let's be real a second. You know, it's Christmas time. The roads are pretty busy, Andy. I've seen you. Uh, The roads are busy and... Listen, if someone cuts me up, they are my mortal enemy, anybody. Do you know what I mean? You know, I'm on that, I'm on that horn, not me, mate. No one, no one believes it. But the reality is that I would never die for someone who is a random person, never mind someone who maybe doesn't like me or, or isn't my friend. But this is how God demonstrates his love, that he died for everybody, regardless what you think about him, regardless what you know about him, regardless if you cared about him, he died for everybody. See, our love's conditional. Our love and affection is based upon the performance of the other person. It's based upon that person being nice to us, treating us well, doing what we expect. And as soon as somebody wrongs us, that's it. We cut them off. But this is the perfect, unconditional love of God. That he died for us, not at our best, but at our worst. See, we might all look like we've got it together tonight, but we know what we're like at our worst. We know how we've messed up, how we can get it wrong, our capacity to fail. God died for us, not our best. He died for us at our worst when we didn't care about him, when we turned our backs on him, when we wanted nothing to do with him. See, this shows me that there's nothing we can do to escape the love of God. This is real love. Love with no limits. This is love unconditional. This is love actually. See, the fact that God died for us at our worst shows us that his love for us is not predicated upon our performance. It's based upon his love for us. It's based upon what he did, not what we did. See, if God's love for me was based upon me being perfect, I'd be in big trouble. His love for me would be low because I am imperfect. I'm sorry to surprise everybody tonight. My wife thinks I'm perfect, um, but I am in fact imperfect. But this is the good news today, that God didn't come for perfect people. He came to give imperfect people like you and me another chance, another shot, a new beginning. All of our mess, our mistakes now wrong for all of his grace, mercy and peace. 
See, I, I think a lot of people believe in God in some form. I speak to lots of people because people know what I do and that sort of thing about God. And a lot of people believe in God. But I also think a lot of people believe that God wants to turn them into someone else. Like God wants everybody to be these religious robots that are just perfect. But I want to tell you tonight, that's not the case. See, I believe that God created us. He created our diversity and our difference and he loves it. He loves that you and I are different. And I believe that true beauty in our world comes when people from different races, demographics and backgrounds come together and choose to look past their differences and look to the things that bring them together. See, God doesn't want to turn you into a religious robot. He wants to turn you back into you. See, if God created us, then he created us with our quirks. He created us with our differences. He wants to turn you back into the person he created. But we all know that, the, that life can mess us up a bit, that it can twist us, that it can make us more cynical. If this isn't true, why are adults a lot more cynical than children? We are, we're so different than our kids. And what God wants to do is this. He wants to turn you back into you. He wants to turn you back into the best version of you. He wants to take away the baggage that you've been carrying in your life. And he wants to help you with that. I want you to know tonight that you are on this planet for a reason. You aren't a mistake. You're not here to just go through the motions. You were created on purpose for a purpose. And God wants to show you that tonight. John 10 verse 10, and this is the, these are the words of Jesus. He says this, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Yeah. See, people think that God is this cosmic fun sponge trying to suck all the enjoyment out of life, but the opposite is true. Jesus came to this earth to give us life to the full. He came to give you life like you've never known. He came to give you new purpose. He came to give you hope. He came to give you a new start in him. He came to give you a big life. See, there's more proof that Jesus lived than Julius Caesar, the Roman emperor, did. It's actually a fact that he lived if we're looking through history. And why would he go through everything he went through to make your life worse, to take from you? See, God didn't come to this earth to take. He came to give. Life everlasting, real purpose, new hope, and a fresh start. He didn't come to establish a religion. He came to begin a relationship. He came so that you could know him personally, so that you could walk with him. See, God isn't scared of our mess. Because like I said, we can all admit today that at times we're a bit messy. Just some of us are better at hiding it than others. He's not scared of it. He doesn't want you to clean yourself up before you start a relationship with him. He wants to be invited into your life. He wants to be invited into the complexity and anxiety and pain of your life. And he wants to help you with it. See, this is love actually. That the God of heaven and earth the God who created you and me would leave the perfection of heaven, live a perfect life, die a brutal death and rise again just to start a relationship with you. For me, it's the greatest story ever told. 
that God crossed the boundaries of eternity just so that he could know you. Just so that he can start a relationship with you. And the offer tonight is not a life that is completely turning you into somebody else. The offer of Jesus tonight is this. A new start with him. A journey with him. A walk with him. I just ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. You're not praying, you're just giving people their space.